Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford sitting next to my partner in crime, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, we're another day closer to Packers 49ers Sunday night football from Levi's Stadium in Santa Clara, California. A clash of NFC Titans, you might say, for Week 12. Oh, a NFC lot to be, Titans. I like a that. A lot to be sorted out yet, but... One of these storylines that's been interesting to follow as we lead up to this big matchup, and it's a, a first in the sense of uh, Matt LaFleur's first year as head coach and where he is in his career, and that is that his counterpart on the other sideline is someone that he goes back a long way with, and I'm talking about Kyle Shanahan, the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. And you posted a story on our website with regard to their connection and when it started and how far back it goes and how it's evolved. So why don't you give us the rundown on the background between Lafleur and Shanahan? Well, this is what's fun about you know life, right? The the small circles we all run in the six degrees of separation. <laughs> I you know I could tell you one story here at the Green Bay Packers. My good friend Nick Goddard, the best man in my wedding, works in the Packers video department now. I worked for him when he was a manager at. Hey, I don't even know if I could say the fast food chain restaurant. I'm not sure if we're allowed to or not. But I we worked together when I was 15, 16 years old in Green Bay, Wisconsin. You follow your path. We both end up with the Green Bay Packers. The old teenage fast food job, the right? The old teenage fast food job. Yeah. You and I have both been there. Yep. And it's funny because even though these are the best you know, jobs in the NFL, the biggest you know, spots in professional football – Everybody has those same kind of stories, right? And you look at Kyle Shanahan and Matt LaFleur. These guys go back to 2008 together when Shanahan was an offensive coordinator for Gary Kubiak, who was, spoiler alert, an actual disciple of Mike Shanahan, Kyle's father, with the Denver Broncos. And they were looking for an offensive quality control assistant. Robert Sala, the defensive quality control assistant, who happened to be college roommates in GA with Matt LaFleur at Central Michigan in 2004. Of all places, Ends up yeah. opening up that door. And it was remarkable when Shanahan was speaking to the Green Bay reporters on his conference call on Wednesday afternoon. You know, I wrote that story back in January documenting LaFleur's rise. I don't know if I ever fully paused enough to appreciate how he was a quality control assistant for two years with the Houston Texans prior to becoming an NFL quarterbacks coach. I mean, that jump that he made, and yeah. Shanahan said it, he's like, when he decided to follow his dad to Washington to be his OC, he needed, he wanted LaFleur, and Kubiak wanted to keep LaFleur. So what did he do? He made him the QB coach, brings him with him to Washington. He said he was kind of overseeing him that first year, but it didn't take long to figure out that this guy could handle it. He gave him that room, arguably the most important position in football, most important position coach in football. And then they spend those three-plus years together in Washington. They end up in Atlanta together. And now here we are, 11 years after those two first met, now for the first time having this collision course as head coaches with Shanahan leading in a 9-2 and San Francisco 49ers team against Matt LaFleur's very resurgent Green Bay Packers at 8-2. and The story doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned Robert Sala and the whole connection going back to Central Michigan and how he got the door open for Matt LaFleur to get into the NFL. Sunday night at Levi's Stadium, Matt LaFleur will be calling the offensive plays for the Green Bay Packers. Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator of the 49ers, will be calling those defensive sets to try to counter what Matt LaFleur is doing offensively. And then to add another twist or another element to the story, the passing game coordinator for Kyle Shanahan 
is none other than Mike LaFleur, the younger brother of Matt LaFleur, whom Matt LaFleur wanted to interview and presumably would have hired him to join him on his Green Bay staff. Boy, that would have made it awkward Shanahan. if you interview the brother and then yeah, you don't and actually then, hire and then your then brother you, for then you don't hire him, yeah. <laughs> I'm not quite sure how that would have gone over at uh, at Christmas and Thanksgiving. But, um, but Mike LaFleur is still in San Francisco because Kyle Shanahan was not going to let him go. He's been a big part of what they've been building offensively with these running backs, with Jimmy Garoppolo. And... Kyle Shanahan said on the conference call with Green Bay Media, he plans to have Mike LaFleur with him until Mike LaFleur becomes a head coach himself. Yeah, and it was funny. And again, this is a topic that Shanahan had to tackle at the Combine. I think he was even asked about it at the owners' meetings in March, to be honest with you. And both times he said, yeah, I mean, no. I mean, I, was, I wasn't I was letting him walk out of the door. He thinks really highly of Mike as he does Matt. Yeah. And he was asked by Matt Snydman from The Athletic in Green Bay here, about if he felt guilty or if he felt bad at all not being able to do it. <laughs> and he said, no, I looked very much forward to saying no to that request when Matt pushed that through. Yeah, if you want to know how cutthroat the, <laughs> the business of coaching and winning football games is in the NFL, there you go. He did not feel badly at all for uh, not letting the brothers reunite in Green Bay. And he said a couple times, like, if they pushed hard enough, maybe he would have been okay <laughs> with it. But then he always comes back with, probably not. Yeah. And you know what? You can't lie. I mean, Mike, you look at what they've done this season. I mean, there's been a secret that San Francisco has just been able to unleash here. And the mega rebuild that Shanahan has put that organization through. You remember where they were in 2016 and when he was hired and the, the they had to find a quarterback. They had to re- reinvent the defense. They had to find some playmakers offensively. Yeah, they were at that point, they were a long way from that 49ers team in the early part of yeah. this decade that went to three straight NFC championship games, went to a Super Bowl. That the roster had practically been gutted essentially yeah. from what that team was. Yeah, so they had a big job ahead of them. And and the thing I like about it, you talked about Salah, you talk about, you know, Adam Stenovich, who's now the offensive line coach for Green Bay. He was the assistant last year with the 49ers. You know, those are tough times. And he jokes now with LaFleur about how, you know, it took him until week nine of his first <laughs> year as a head coach to win a game. LaFleur, it took him one, the opener against Chicago. But it, there's a lot of like times that those coaches, they'll panic, they'll make changes, they'll do things abruptly. Shanahan did not do that. Yeah. He knew from the beginning when he became a head coach, he wanted Sala to be his defensive coordinator. Sala had been in Jacksonville, coincidentally enough, with Nathaniel Hackett, who's now the offensive coordinator for Green Bay. He had been a linebacker's coach there. He brings him in. Shanahan wanted to have him as his D.C. He found, you know, he brought up uh, Matt's younger brother and – here they are now being able to you know lay claim at least for one more week here that they're the number one team in the NFC and I just think there are so many ties to this and you can tell Shanahan and LaFleur do not want this to be about them but you do have to step back and appreciate when these guys have kind of climbed that tree to get to where they are right now every once in a while you got to step back and look at it and appreciate for it for what it is because there's gonna be a lot of friends competing against one another and I think to me it reminds you a lot of just playing with your buddies in the backyard or, you know, you know, getting out the chessboard and having yeah. some fun. I mean, it's just it's that type of challenge that those two pushed each other when they were younger coaches, and they're gonna push each other again Sunday night for the better team to win. Well, here's an interesting one to throw at you because with Matt LaFleur obviously getting off to a great start in Green Bay with what the San Francisco 49ers are doing this year, and Kyle Shanahan obviously believes that Mike LaFleur has 
head coach a head coach title in his future. Are we going to be talking one of these days on Packers Unscripted about Matt LaFleur versus Mike LaFleur, Man. two head coaches in the NFL brothers going head to head the you know uh, the Harbaugh um, clash redo with uh, with a couple of brothers? Yeah, you and I talking in the pre-production meeting about how often this has actually happened before. Other than the Harbaugh's, we couldn't come up with anything else. I mean, yeah. as far as head coaches going toe to toe against each other, and I, I'll tell you what, we'll have to see. Obviously, both of those guys are very young. Uh, Matt just touched forty. I don't even Mike. I think maybe he's thirty-seven. I mean, like they are young in their coaching profession. Yeah. It's probably a testament to both of their their work ethic. And as Shanahan said too, I mean, none of this comes as a surprise when he looks at what Matt has done. You know, he he compared it a lot to what they did with Matt Ryan in, in Atlanta. You have an MVP quarterback. You have one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. Those guys are going to be successful, but finding a way to utilize your scheme to maximize that player and the other 10 offensive players on the field with him, this is not a surprise. He was very proud, and he said he's pulling for him. He's just not pulling for him <laughs> too hard, considering they both share the same conference and ultimately the same goal. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, quickly here, Wes, before I forget. Select Cousin Subs locations are now offering delivery. Whether you're ordering, catering, or your favorite sub, they're delivering right to you. When you order online at CousinSubs.com, Cousin Subs, we believe in better. Okay, on yesterday's show, we talked quite a bit about the 49ers and particularly that defense, a defense that's racked up 39 sacks, a defense that's third in the NFL with 22 takeaways. I posted a story late on Wednesday just looking at this matchup of the Packers' offense against the 49ers' defense. And aside from the obvious, which is to protect Aaron Rodgers and protect the football when I talk about those sack and and takeaway stats, I think an interesting thing going into this game is the way we've seen this Packers offense evolve. They had to survive for a month without Devontae Adams. They've found a nice balance between Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams in the backfield. We've seen other guys emerge. We've seen Alan Lazard make some plays. We've seen Jimmy Graham make some significant contributions along the way. It just has this feeling, and especially with the Packers coming off of a bye week where the coaches have reviewed the film, they've had a chance to reset, you know, maybe there are going to be some new things, some new wrinkles that will get thrown in. It just seems like one of these games where somebody is going to emerge from the shadows for the Packers offensively if they're to come out victorious in this game. There's going to be a a storyline late Sunday night from the locker room when we're working on our stuff on the plane on the flight home, a storyline that we're not talking about right now that's going to be a storyline in this game. I'm curious if you have any gut feeling as to what direction this might go. Mason Crosby, three carries for 35 yards. That's my <laughs> prediction. No, um, hey, the, the thing I was joking about earlier in addition to that is that, I mean, wouldn't it be something if it's Danny Vitale? Uh, because <laughs> – all week long, the narrative, and I even talked to Vitaly about this this week. I mean, Kyle Juszczyk is considered the the guy at that position right now. The like, ultra fullback. Yeah, Vitaly even called him the, the fullback goat. And yeah. he has so much respect for him, and he's been just a perfect fit for what Shanahan does. If there would be any way that LaFleur could out Shanahan Shanahan with the fullback position, uh, that would be incredible. Uh, that would be something really would be really fun to watch but you'd have fun writing about that on the plane that, on the way home that'd that's be something sure. else yeah, yeah. no yeah. but I mean who doesn't love a good fullback catch but <laughs> it, you know here's the thing that's been beautiful about this offense and I think you know you see although those two offensive schemes have gradually evolved 
uh, you know, from what Lafleur does and what Shanahan likes to do, there is a similarity there with how they utilize their personnel. I would argue the Packers probably have a few more established playmakers in terms of just the league-wide notoriety right now with Devontae Adams and the peak of his, you know, his profession, you know, and Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. But they can get multiple, and they can get contributions from across the board from any number of skill position players. Certainly for the 49ers, that guy has been George Kittle. We'll see what his availability looks like this week. But sure. for Green Bay, it's no longer that 2014, okay, you're going to see Jordy Nelson, you're going to see Devontae Adams, and you're going to see Randall Cobb, and that's going to be the unit that plays 60 snaps plus together each game. They're going to mix and match personnel, and I think if you want to credit you know, Lafleur for anything in terms of what his scheme has brought to Green Bay, it's that multiplicity. It's being able to use those many different personnel combinations to not only work a, you know wear down a defense but also get the most out of those players so yes you're absolutely right someone needs to step up someone needs to emerge in this game but the beautiful thing is for green bay you just don't even know who that's going to be right and i think that's what makes this matchup so in intriguing obviously the stakes and everything with these two teams being at the top of the nfc <clears throat> the packers coming off of the bye week you just look at statistically some of the things that you would not believe to be true for a Packers team that's eight and two. Devontae Adams does not have a touchdown reception yet, coming off of three consecutive double digit touchdown seasons. Who is leading the Green Bay Packers in touchdown receptions from Aaron Rodgers? It's a running back. And it's not Aaron Jones, it's Jamal Williams. He's got five. That's more than anybody else. We haven't seen Mercedes Lewis catch a touchdown pass yet in a Green Bay uniform. You mentioned Vitali as a possibility. Maybe, you know, we've we've seen some plays with him, but then other other games he's not necessarily a big part of the game plan. Marquez Valdez Scantling He's got five pass receptions of 40-plus yards this season. He has nine in his career, essentially one and a half years in the NFL. But he's been playing through some knee and ankle injuries. He only has one catch in the last three games. So is he suddenly going to reemerge and become the big play guy in this offense? So there are a lot of possibilities. And I think what Matt LaFleur really likes about his team and what he likes about this offense is they've found different ways and different guys to get the job done. And I think Aaron Rodgers likes that as well because it, it makes the Packers, you know, not not the most predictable offense in the world. Absolutely. And even if you want to even take it to another level, Mike, I mean, Big Bob Tanyan's baby boy, Robert Jr., he's also a full <laughs> participant in Wednesday's practice. Hopefully for him being able to return after a month and a half layoff from that hip injury. Sure. Jay Sternberger played 12 snaps before the bye. He looked pretty good in pass protection and what some of the blocking the assignments he was asked to do. They want to be able to throw the kitchen sink at you. That's when this offense is at its best. And to be honest with you, both of these offenses are at their best. The, my biggest takeaway, though, listening to Rodgers at his locker on Wednesday, the portion that I was there for, was him discussing how when you look at Alan Lazard, when you look at Geronimo Allison, former undrafted free agents, they came through the door and it was not too big for them. None of this was too big for them. And that's an easy thing to say. It becomes cliche at times. But you got to remember, these are undrafted guys. You know, Kumaro coming from Whitewater. Geronimo Allison didn't play a lot in college between yeah. his community college and then going to Illinois. And then you have Lazard, who was a record-breaking, huge receiver at Iowa State. But then he's on a practice squad for a year with the Jaguars. To see those guys come in and just fill those roles and look at it like any other game, any other quarterback, and be able to fulfill their, their assignments, yes, it hasn't been one guy that's catching 700, 700 yards and 50 passes, 
but the group of that has been what's complemented this offense, and that's why the Packers have had success. Yeah, and maybe maybe the guy to keep an eye on in this game, quite frankly, is Alan Lazard. John Kuhn pointed out in our Three Things video yesterday, Alan Lazard leads the Packers' offense in targeted passes over the last five games. Yeah. You know, obviously, Devontae Adams has only been back for a couple of those, but Alan Lazard is the leader in that category. You go back to the uh, to the L.A. game against the Chargers, not that we want to relive um, all the downs of that, but the Packers were getting nothing going, nothing was working, and then when they finally did in the fourth quarter and put together a touchdown drive, who was the guy who came off the bench and started moving the chains? It was Alan Lazard. Yeah. He came off the bench, the ball was going his way, the Packers got something going there. So you wonder, uh, um, you know, coming off the bye week here, if uh, um, if Alan Lazard is, uh, is potentially a guy to keep an eye on. But again, as we've been saying, it could be any number of guys who might emerge you know be that someone different that Aaron Rodgers talked about at his locker that uh, makes a difference in this game well and and the other thing too that I want to go back to you mentioned Devontae Adams and the fact that he doesn't have the touchdown catch this year but right and you can tell me to go to hell Michigan with this if you need me to but (laughs) I, I I personally believe within the red area this year the Packers have been just so much better with their utilization of the running backs as you mentioned Jamal Williams has five touchdown catches right how many times has Aaron Jones been able to punch something in the end zone from 13, 14 yards out this year? They've been so much more efficient in there. There seemed like so many times in recent years where it'd be like, you know, since maybe that Eddie Lacy era, you know, at the end of that 14 season where mm-hmm. he was pretty dominant, where they've just been getting inside the 20, we got to find a way to get the ball to Devontae Adams or Randall Cobb. And if that doesn't happen, you're going to have to settle for a field goal. It's not like that right now. Yeah, the be- the best teams, the best teams in the red zone consistently over the long haul over a 16 game season and playoffs. The best teams in the red zone are the ones who can run the ball in the red zone. You know, the safeties aren't playing 20, 25 yards deep. You get in the red zone, everything's a little bit tighter, but you can still run the ball. You can still kind of punch a team in the mouth, get yourself into good down and distance situations on second and third down, and then open up the playbook. And that's because you can run the ball in some tight quarters. Yeah, and you've seen it. I mean, you you talked about Vitaly, Vitaly's wheel route a, a month ago, you know, being able to put that out there and get down to the one yard line. When you get that stuff on film, those are all things that defense coordinators have to take into account. Jimmy Graham's couple touchdown catches this year. Just being able to have that many options. The Packers have been, I want to say they're the second team in the league right now or, or maybe third in terms of red zone offense and efficiency in producing touchdowns. Yeah. That has not been something they've done well over the years, at least the recent years. Yeah. And that's been a turnaround this year. So regardless of whether or not it's Devontae Adams or not, and I guarantee you, see, if you gave him six games, he's going to get you some touchdown catches. <laughs> but even last week, Mike, 35-yard catches twice, both of those ended up leading to touchdown drives that Aaron Jones ended up scoring on. That's what matters. That's what they want to accomplish this season, and right now the Packers have it all in front of them. Yeah, and when you look, again, just looking at how you never know what's going to happen, Aaron Jones has that big game as a wide receiver in Kansas City. The last two games, he's caught one pass for negative one yard. So does, you know, does that suddenly shift back to being an offensive focus where Aaron Jones can make some things happen in the passing game? You just don't know necessarily where this is going to go. And everyone talks about McVay, and again, credit to him for a lot of the principles he brought in and some of the things that have been pushed to the forefront here in the league the last two years. But this is the thing that Bill Belichick has just dominated with in the league over the last 10 years. 
matchup based problems and being able to use your personnel in different types of situations, looking at your entire depth chart and yep. seeing if there's a way that you can execute. LaFleur has been phenomenal with that so far, and it's one of the reasons why the Packers sit at eight and two going into this very big matchup. And it's why we call this a week to week league because yep. that it really is what it is. But with that, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. You can subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services, and please check out our new YouTube channel. The Packers have a YouTube channel, Packers Unscripted. All sorts of other videos from Packers.com are on that YouTube channel. So devour all that content. I think you'll like it. And with that, thank you for watching, everybody. We will see you next time.